Nearly half of tuberculosis infections in prisons worldwide go unnoticed, and prisoners are about nine times more likely to develop the fatal disease than the rest of the population, research published in Lancet Public Health found. This is Pulse Check. I'm Kelly Hooper. A House Appropriations Subcommittee proposed a $14 billion cut to HHS programs on Friday. The bill would eliminate funding for the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality and Title X Family Planning. It also proposes cuts to CDC and NIH funding. But the Democratic-controlled Senate and President Joe Biden opposed the cuts, setting up a funding fight this fall. The World Health Organization says aspartame is safe to consume, despite some evidence linking the artificial sweetener to liver cancer. Officials said it's okay to continue drinking diet sodas in moderation. And, more than three years after the COVID-19 pandemic upended life in the U.S., attitudes toward government involvement in public health remain polarized as the 2024 elections approach. Megan Messerly is here to explain how lawmakers in conservative Indiana agreed to boost public health funding, despite their constituents' skepticism. Thanks so much for having me. So you wrote a story about Indiana doing something a bit unusual this year on public health. What did they do? So Indiana's Republican-controlled legislature passed this 1,500% increase in state dollars to local health departments. Public health advocates hailed this as significant victory for a state that has historically underfunded public health, but it was notable because we just really, one, didn't see any other state focus on public health funding this year to that extent in this way. And two, because in the wake of the pandemic, a lot of red state lawmakers a lot of Republicans have been really skeptical of public health, you know, pandemic era business closures and school closures and mask mandates and vaccination campaigns engendered a lot of mistrust, I think, among a lot of Republicans. And so it's kind of unusual to see Indiana, a state with a Republican governor and a Republican-controlled legislature, really make a big push on this. And a lot of that was because of Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb, who is a Republican, but really made public health, I mean, one of his top three priorities this year. I went through and reviewed all governor's state of the state addresses from earlier this year, and no one spent as much time talking about public health as Governor Holcomb did. And I talked to him a little bit about this, and, and he said a couple of things. You know, He said, one, Indiana has historically ranked among the bottom for a lot of key public health metrics. Obesity, tobacco use, mental health, childhood vaccination rates, which is consistently ranks poorly in these metrics. And the state additionally has consistently ranked poorly for public health funding. It's was 45th in the nation for public health funding. And so the governor said that this is something that had been a key concern in Indiana for some time. And COVID really created an opportunity, he said, for the state to address this. So he kind of acknowledged when I was talking to him that this put him out on a political limb. I mean, this is not something most Republican governors are out there championing. But to him, it felt like the right time to do this. He said something to the effect of, if we were going to make a mistake, it wasn't going to be because we were sitting around admiring the the problem. Like he really felt that he needed to act on this. So I think there were a couple key factors that contributed to this passing this year. So one, obviously the governor championing this. It's important to note though that he's term limited. He's not running again in 2024. So that sort of relieves some of the political pressure for addressing this. But a lot of folks really attribute his smart leadership on this. He established this governor's public health commission in 2021 to really investigate the problem. They conducted the statewide list 
listening tour to get community input, but also buy-in on, you know, the need for more attention to public health in the state. And part of that smart leadership, folks say, is he appointed some really well-respected folks to sort of be his foot soldiers on the ground on this. Dr. Christina Box, she was at the time the state's health commissioner, and then a former state senator, Luke Kenley, who, when he was in the legislature, was this like penny-pinching budget chair and was known for just saying no to every funding request. And so talking to folks, they're saying you had these two people who had a lot of respect in the legislature going around talking to skeptical lawmakers, you know, and it, it meant a lot that they were the ones carrying this message. And then I'd say the third key factor was just the favorable budgetary climate. I mean, in the final days of the session, lawmakers found they had an extra $1.5 billion to spend. So it wasn't like they were hurting for money. So they definitely had the funding to make this possible this year. You mentioned that the governor said this sort of put him out on a political limb, and it's certainly a deviation from Republicans' approach to public health. So I'm wondering what kind of opposition the bill faced in Indiana. Well, it faced a lot. In my conversations with both Dr. Fox and Senator Kenley, they both told me this anecdote of presenting this plan to local public health officials early on. There were like 80 to 100 of them in the room. And they asked them, you know, how many of you think we can get this done and boost public health funding this year? And three people raised their hands, you know, like even public health folks were extremely skeptical this was going to get done. And the governor himself, when I was talking to him, acknowledged, you know, there were whispers at the beginning of the session saying like 50-50 chance this gets done. So, I mean, at the beginning of session, yes, it was kind of this uncertainty. It was this long shot, but it was a lot of persuading skeptical Republican lawmakers. They had significant concerns, again, about public health broadly, given what we saw during the pandemic. And so proponents really kind of walked them through what public health is. And I think this is one of the key things that was part of their success is Dr. Box is even telling me like they really were careful about the words they use when they spoke to these skeptical lawmakers, right? Like sometimes they they didn't even use the word public health. They were instead describing the things that public health does for communities like clean water and healthy babies and tobacco cessation programs and preventing sexually transmitted diseases and things like that, right? They're sort of emphasizing some of these like core responsibilities of public health and maybe staying away from some of the parts of public health that may be a little bit more political. And so that helped, I think, wear down a little bit of this resistance to the legislation. It ultimately passed with overwhelming bipartisan and support. I will say, though, that a quarter of Republican lawmakers still voted against this proposal. Both Dr. Box and Senator Kenley told me, you know, they went into some of these conversations with folks and people would tell them, hey, I really respect what you're doing, but like, I'm not going to move on this. Like, I'm just not going to budge. I just don't think we should be doing this either for those sort of public health related reasons or they thought it was too much funding or there were also folks who were skeptical and kind of thought this was a, a power grab by the state health department away from local governments. So there were a lot of really big concerns that they had to overcome through this process. Can you talk a little bit about how Indiana's approach to public health compares to other red states? Yeah, it's really interesting. So, I mean, there are red states that are doing interesting things. For instance, you know, Alaska working on tuberculosis with their native populations. There are important steps that red states are taking on public health, but at least since the pandemic and especially this year, I mean, we just didn't see any other governor sort of say like public health writ large is important. We need to be funding it. We need to be giving money to local health departments to be spending these dollars in ways that help their community. Like that itself is novel. And I would just say this really kind of runs 
counter to sort of this wing of the Republican Party that really is skeptical of the government's role in public health. And there's a bit of pandemic sentiments that fold into that. There's some longstanding vaccine skepticism that folds into that. But we've really seen some parts of the Republican Party really lean into this. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has been talking a lot about medical freedom in his state and now campaigning for the nation's top office. He's really been running on this idea. Representative Matt Gates earlier this year called for abolishing the CDC. We saw Wisconsin's Republican-controlled legislature block a meningitis vaccine requirement for seventh graders. And so we've seen sort of a lot of this pandemic resistance in opposition to COVID vaccines and masks and things like that. But it's really stretching beyond that. And talking to folks, I think, at the national level who are watching this, I think that's what makes what Indiana did so striking because it's such a stark contrast to some of this other conversation happening in the Republican Party. Going off of that, could what Indiana did be replicated in other states? Talking to public health experts at the national level, I mean, I think there's a lot of hope, yes, that it could. I mean, the one thing worth noting, and this is just broadly true with, I think, any reporting on states, like every state is its own unique animal. They all do things in their own ways. So even if a state sort of serves as a model for others, it's not like you're going to take one formula from Indiana and exactly replicate it somewhere else. But they do think there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. One, having a governor who really understood the problem, who listened to his top health advisors and his administration administration who was willing to take that political risk and make this a priority because he really felt like it was the right thing to do for the state. I mean, that was a big part. Appointing leaders who lawmakers respect and would listen to. That's something folks saw sort of a really key benefit that could help other states. And I think broadly, going back to sort of the messaging aspect of this, you know, it's really just this communicating. I think that public health isn't this necessarily like progressive blue state thing. It can be a conservative red state thing too. And there can be things that Republicans can support in public health. And and of course, that was always broadly true. But I think there's been a lot of sort of, again, because of the pandemic, there's been this effort to maybe re-educate folks about what public health does, all the things that public health is quietly doing in the background pre-pandemic and sort of trying to turn down, I think, the temperature a little bit on the political aspect of the conversation around public health. So I do think folks see a lot of hope in Indiana. I was even hearing from folks after the article came out saying like, this has really provided a lot of food for thought. I think folks are interested in this, you know, and I think it is surprising. And again, not to say that this can necessarily do a one-to-one replication of what Indiana did, but it kind of does offer this conservative path forward on public health in this post-pandemic era. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for breaking that down for us. And thanks for being here today. Of course. Thanks for having me. And before you go, register to join Politico on Thursday, July 20th at 4 p.m. to discuss how gene therapies could transform healthcare and increase access to treatments, with speakers including Peter Marks of the FDA, Joni Rutter of the NIH, and Tim Hogan of Pfizer. You can register for this event at politico.com slash nextgenhealthcare. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Kelly Hooper. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.